Welcome to the Bloody Broads Pod. Uh, we are your Bloody Broads. I'm Bhavna Sharma. And I'm Jamie Howard. We are your horror guides from page to screen and everything in between. And welcome to our two-year anniversary. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Hopefully uh, not the terrible twos. <laughs> no, no, no. But um, it is also about a, what, like a less than a week out from my birthday at the time of releasing this. So oh, yeah. It's um, it's always a nice little crossover celebration. And tonight we have a very special guest, someone that I've had the honor of working with, a very close friend of mine in the industry, uh, Mr. Ryan Murphy, the other Ryan Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ryan, I'm going to let you introduce yourself because you honestly do it all. Writer, actor, director, producer. <laughs> yes, I, I, I do. I am the other Ryan Murphy. I go by Ryan Joseph Murphy at this point because <laughs> of that other Ryan Murphy. Uh First off, congratulations on you guys, uh, you know, second year doing this. And then obviously, Jamie, your birthday, awesome stuff. Uh, as for me, yeah, I, I, I do acting here in Los Angeles, uh, rep by the amazing Angel City Talent. Um, I do yes. horror stuff as well um, with your horror show. Uh, we did shorts before the pandemic. We did table reads during the pandemic, uh, during Clubhouse, which, Jamie, you got to be a part of, which was super fun. And then I'm doing a uh, audio drama podcast right now called Your Horror Show. Uh, and at the time of this release, I think we will have released five episodes of that. And you can check that out on all podcast platforms. So, yeah. Yes. Yay. And total shameless plug for both my own work and Ryan's. Uh, the episode that will come out around the same time as this one uh, features me and Ryan together. Getting to work with him is always amazing. So, I just decided to drag two of my favorite people along into one of the most chaotic films. Uh, the movie the movie that, the only horror movie I think I've ever had nightmares about, to be honest with y'all. Uh, this week we are covering 2009's The Fourth Kind. Not the 80s version or there's, you know, different ways that this title is spelled that it's not about what this movie is about. But um, mm hmm this movie is pure chaos, so I do appreciate everyone being along for the ride on this one. <laughs> um, uh, did y'all see it in theaters? Because I, I saw it in theaters, and it, it fucked me up <laughs> when I saw it. So, Yep, I definitely saw it in theaters because I love Mila Jovovich. I'm not, I, you, everyone that listens knows that, like, alien movies aren't necessarily my thing, but, like, fake pseudo documentary mind fuckery shit is so between her and that I was like all right and plus the trailer actually looked terrifying so I was like let's see let's see if it scares me spoiler alert nightmares yeah <laughs> I I did right. not have the chance to see this in theaters I I do love Mila though I think uh she's an extremely underrated actor. Uh, she's really fantastic in a lot of films, including the not-so-great Resident Evil films, uh, some of them. Uh, but she's always good as an actor. She always puts her all into any performance, and that is certainly the case with this movie, which is very, very chaotic, as Jamie said. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I... I'm glad that we all love her as much as as much as we do. Uh, she was honestly the saving grace of parts of this movie. I don't think this movie works without her. I think it would have been 
even more of a bomb than it unfortunately already was. It did not do well uh, at, well, okay, let me take that back. Critically, it didn't do well, but it made 47, almost 48 million at the box office, which in 2009 was insane. I mean, it's insane today that anything makes that amount of money, but they mm-hmm. made it for about 10 million. So they quadrupled their money. They, they, I mean, as far as commercial success goes, I, you know, it accomplished that. But critically, I think this has like a 17 or 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's something crazy low. Um, so if you love trashy and like Bhavna said, pseudo found footage movies with a psychological bent, this is absolutely the movie for you. Uh, mm-hmm. And I just want to say that as a teenager seeing this movie... I understood after watching this why people believed the Blair Witch was real. Do you guys know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it's really funny watching this movie because um, I had obviously, you know, we I had read the Wikipedia on this film and kind of like just gotten a little knowledge before I went into it, um, and then rented it and was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this. And they they really do not try to dissuade the fact that this movie is not not real. They're like, they're going into right. it with this full belief that like, yes, this actually happened. And for a minute I was like, wait, wait, did this actually, did this actually happen? And I'm, you know, again, I'm 35. And I, at this point I've, I've lived through all of these, these uh, right. found footage films. Um, <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, did this actually happen? And I'm thinking about it. And I was like, oh no, it didn't. Okay. All right. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So they're like trying to juxtapose the actual the the pseudo documentary with like the pseudo acting and again you know I, I, it was funny I wrote in our notes sometimes it actually really works and it's very cool yeah. and like there's some co- really fun little moments other times it feels like I'm watching a really bad reenactment show like yes. like what's that? it feels like I'm watching um what's what's that show called it's like it's like um, my celebrity uh, ghost story yeah yeah whatever <laughs> yeah. yeah or like and, ghost adventures or something exactly <laughs> and so there was times I was like uh, it didn't really work for me there. But um, again, there are times, though, in the film where I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. I like what they were kind of going for here. And again, mm-hmm. it definitely, again, in early or late 2000s, uh, the, the 20, whatever, early, those that, that, that time was 2009. The aughts. Yeah, yeah, the aughts. I mean, we had the internet. We were using it pretty frequently. But there were still times we were like, well, did this, is this real, though? Like, I don't really 100% know. So, yeah. No, and Ryan, I'm glad you brought up that you're 35 because so am I. And so you understand like the time, like what a time to be alive in our like early 20s. Um, (laughs) And like we had just gone through all those garbage movies that had just come out. Like this came out a year after that shitty prom night movie, which I this is maybe the third time I've mentioned how shitty it is since our episode on it. It's so bad. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and like we were starved for alien movies. We didn't really have alien movies in the early 2000s like that that weren't like already an ip so this 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 was a good sucker this is this was a good like hmm we could lure you in yeah millennials it's funny you say that too because i was really even racking my brain and being like well how many alien movies have we had in the last 15 years even i'm like it's it's not a lot we we really like i remember signs vividly Mm -hmm. as being a big alien film um and then i remember there was dark skies which was a tv series and i was like yeah there was that too um and then there was a couple of other alien movies obviously like you know we had the prometheus and alien whatever you Mm -hmm. know those those films but 
there's not a lot of big alien horror kind of stuff out there. And it was, again, it was interesting in this movie that you really never see an alien in this, but you see this no. kind of this imagery that they showcase throughout the film, which is very like, you know, these kind of like elongated weird faces. And like, Jamie, like you said too, mm -hmm. it, it is very possession-like in ways that they kind of meld the film and showcase like these things. They're, they're documented almost as if like these people are being possessed by an unseen force. It was an interesting way to look at like kind of alien abduction in general. I'm so glad you brought that up because I know my notes look like the writings <laughs> of like a woman in front of a chalkboard with like, you know, a beautiful mind level stuff on it. But I, okay, so very brief, you know, TL didn't watch for people. Um, like we said, this is set up as a, not found footage, but a, almost like a, these are our tapes from our study and we are going to reenact some things, but we're also going to uh, sort of cross-reference it with the real air quotes, you know, compare and contrast it with the real events. And it was so interesting because there's been so many possession movies that are set up like that, right? Where we're watching the found tapes of an exorcism. And I think the reason we haven't gotten many alien movies in the last 15 to 16 years is because we've been so focused on religious horror because we've gotten so many... I mean, the entire Conjuring universe, right? I mean, all the nun stuff. I mean, we're getting a brand new exorcist this year, and which I'm excited for. Yes. Well, we and, just and we just had the Pope's exorcist. We just yes. had, I mean, I mean, there's been a ton. I mean, it feels like every year we get like at least two possession films a year of some sort, and they're usually mm -hmm. Catholicism kind of related. Yes. And so it's this very centric kind of Christianity related possession stories for the most part, um, yeah. at least in at least in the United States. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because it, even some of the imagery in this film evoked like fire from the sky, uh, like fire in the sky, which I thought was a I great, yes. yeah, yeah, which is a, a fantastic alien abduction film. It has one of the most like just disturbing alien abduction scenes ever. Yes. Um, but, but it's, yeah, it's really funny you mentioned that because I, you know, I, I think today, you know, funny enough when this, when this comes out, it'll be two week old, but I think the film, it's called No One Is Coming To Save You dropped its trailer yes. today. And yes. I'm like, oh, this is like an alien slasher film. And I'm like, yeah, we just, we, aliens in general to me are just like a, a, almost a forgotten kind of subgenre within horror at this point. We don't yes. really look at them very often. Um, we don't go to them as much. And, it's, and it's, I'm curious as to why, because now in the last year, we've had all of this, the you know, way, you, hmm. I was like, uh, the, the government stuff, I mean, you can believe it or not. Maybe it's hoey. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but regardless, there's a lot of stuff coming out, obviously, about potential real extraterrestrial stuff that's been happening. So to me, I'm like, it's a little bit undermined, for sure, I mm -hmm. feel like, in the in the subgenre of horror at this point. Completely. I agree. And I saw this, like, this, this, I forgot who said it. I forgot if it was a meme, but somehow it, it was... You know, it entered through my eyeballs into my brain from some screen somewhere. Um, but uh, someone said somewhere that like, oh, wow, this alien news dropped and we didn't give a shit. It's like because us millennials have been living from one crisis to another, to another, to another. To another. We're just like, please beam me up, space daddy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Truly. I mean, I, that's that's merchable right there, Bob. Yes. Beam me up, space daddy. Space daddy. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just so interesting that we have 
clung to, oh, exorcisms are scary, but some people don't find aliens scary. And I, they're my number one big bad. Like if I, if it's an alien game over, I'm laying down. I'm not the final girl of that situation. We're not trying to live through this. I'm curious, Jamie, are you a believer in aliens then? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) They scare me. And I don't, it's, it's less of the idea that they, I'm not like Tom DeLonge, right? Like I'm not trying to build Academy (laughs) of the Stars, even though I love that man, love him. Yes. But you can't have all of these sightings and not have some kind of explanation for it. So even if it's not what we think it is, there's there's something, you know, like, you know, military mm-hmm. grade cameras catching multiple things. I, I don't know. I think if I dwell too long on it, it'll I'll go insane. But I wanted to ask you all the same thing because I'm I feel very alone in my, <laughs> my belief of potential alien life. Like every time, every time somebody brings it up, they're like, no, oh, that's bullshit. And I'm like, how can you say that? Like, <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. You're the molder and everyone's scully. And you're, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's very true. Oh man. No, like I get to pull a Jamie for once. Uh, so I, this is pretty much because of the way I was raised, but I think it, it's highly, highly arrogant to, like, regardless of whether you firmly believe or don't believe uh, in aliens, to think that we're the only intelligent life form out there. And, like, we're, I... We're not even we're the not, most intelligent no, life form out there. Let's get that out of the way. We're fucking dumbasses. But, like... Uh, like I'm pretty sure that's the only reason we haven't actually been full-fledged invaded is just yeah. because they look at us and they're like, ew, no. Um... <laughs> But no, seriously, like, and I was raised uh, Hindu. I'm so pretty culturally Hindu. Like, so, you know, I'm pretty sure somebody, some, we didn't come up with blue people out of nowhere. Just saying. <laughs> right. So right. I'm not someone that's like, read the documents. I'm a part of MUFON. But I, I'm i like, you know what? If one walked in front of me, I'd be like, all right. Yep. Yep. You exist. I'm, um, um Yep. <laughs> Bhavna, it's funny that you say that because that that was kind of going to be my response was that the idea that you can just say that there's no intelligent life whatsoever is very narcissistic and kind of egotistical Mm -hmm. to be like, oh, no, we're the only race in the world. Um, At the same token, though, it's hard because there's been so much debunked at this point for alien stuff that it's hard to take a lot of it seriously. And so Mm -hmm. for me, I'm like, I'm one of those people, like, I feel like I am a little like Mulder where I'm like, I want to believe. Like, I want to, I (laughs) want to think that there's some other life force. I just, I just haven't seen concrete enough evidence yet for me to fully be on the train and say, yes, this is totally what's happening. And I believe every single word of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a tough, it's a tough um, line to walk as someone who tends to be very skeptical, but also, again, I do want to believe, like I want there to be more in the world, but uh, yeah, I'm glad that we all sort of called out the reenactment-esque taste of this film as well. I think that's kind of where it fails. Because mm-hmm. honestly, the dialogue is fine, in my opinion. It's very realistic. The acting, Mila is amazing. Um, everybody else is fine. <laughs> uh, but the dramatic ass opening where she's like, I mean, I love it now, but she's like, the following you're about to watch are based on real excerpts from Dr. Abby. You know, like just this very, <laughs> I I don't know, I like I said, I understood why people believed in the Blair Witch because 
at the time, not, not, none, none of that had happened before, right? But this is... Nine, this is fit, this 14? is 2009. Yeah. So, so this is about 10-ish, 11-ish years since then? Right. Exactly. So we've had the internet now to the point that everybody's had a MySpace at this point. Everybody's starting to get Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel a little bit more uh, sympathetic towards the boomers on Facebook who just believe everything on <laughs> Facebook now. Because <laughs> the first time I saw this movie, I was like, is this real? I, very stupid 17-year-old me went on a date to this movie. That was... I don't know why, but yeah. I will counter and say the woman that played the quote-unquote real Dr. Oh, Abby God. was great because she's who gave me nightmares. Nothing yes. else. Not even the voices, not even the alleged ancient Sumerian being whatever. It was her gaunt, like, I've yes. been through, I've seen some shit fucking face. And like the her voice work, her vocal work. Like, I know we'll probably dive into this at some point, but just like her vocal work terrifying and like even watching it now for like the first time in like years like I'm pretty sure this is maybe the second time since I've seen it in theaters that I've watched it at all (laughs) um but just like remembering what terrified me now just imagine being in a dark room with a bunch of people and like that face is like tens of feet tall that's what I was gonna bring up is that (laughs) seeing it on a movie screen made it like a hundred times worse um especially in the alien abduction slash technically possession scenes. Mm -hmm. So this is based on a real, well, a real series of disappearances in Nome, Alaska to the point that, well, to the point that the Nome newspaper, essentially the PR for this movie tried to do what Blair Witch was doing and they set up a fake website. Mm-hmm. But they included headlines from very real publications, which is like a huge no. You know, you can't do that, guys, in journalism. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> That's how this works. And That's so, how the fake news gets perpetrated. <laughs> right. And so the Gnome newspaper, whatever it's called, I don't have it in my notes, but they um, they sued and won. And not only did the production company have to pay back, you know, these millions of dollars, they had to donate money to schools in Nome and then have a scholarship fund because Nome, Alaska is a real place for the people listening who've never heard of it and think that's made up Uh, because it sounds made up. Why wouldn't it be? Mm -hmm. Um, But they, that's my other conflict with this film is that they very much took a real life phenomenon of 40 people going missing out of a population of less than 4,000, you know, that's quite a bit Mm -hmm. and, and turned it into this horror film I don't know. I mean, Ryan, you're the writer and <laughs> do you ever, I mean, how do you deal with that feeling of like, here's this real event and I'm going to use it for inspiration, even if it's not my personal story? Like, how do you deal with what you, where you draw the Yeah, line? That, it's a good question because I think we've been kind of um, in recent times more, I think we as creators, writers, directors, all of this stuff have been more empathetic in the last, mm. whatever, uh, five years towards real life situations i mean like you can even take uh the 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 film that that the other ryan or series of the hour <laughs> ryan murphy did um uh you know about uh what was it it was it was bundy right am i correct yeah. on that yeah and uh dumber uh, dumber dumber apologist dumber and that situation to me is like w- were they mining that for you know kind of like a situation where they were taking advantage of potential people's pain and turning around and saying, hey, we're going to do this whole thing. So I just look at this as like, yeah, it's it's a really curious case because, again, they 
they clearly were trying to go for a Blair Witch vibe with the idea mm-hmm. that, oh, is this real or is this not? The thing about the Blair Witch, though, is that it it never tries to be anything else than what it is. And even mm. the the website that they set up, the, the documentary that they had that was like the pre-documentary yeah. to the Blair Witch, the Curse of the Blair Witch, all of this stuff was set up in this idea that all of it was going to be this world that they're creating and it's all fake. Whereas mm-hmm. with this one, they're kind of mixing in real life things with their fakeness and then still trying to pass it off as this thing, but it's all fake. It's 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 kind of confusing. And again, I, I think the convoltedness of what they did is also apparent in the film at times. Like, you're like, I don't really kind of like that the story hops around so much that sometimes you're losing the the middle of this. I thought when it was like the most visceral was when the guy had gone to the the therapy session and then he goes home and he's like going to murder his family and stuff. And I thought that whole whole scene that they have where they're juxtaposing the movie with this potential real footage, I thought that was very visceral and And really well done. Right, yes. and then the only, like, the, the suicide part of the murder-suicide, you only see in the actual footage, not yeah. in the, the actual footage, not in the act, not in the reenactment footage. Like, I thought that was, like, super well done. Yeah, that, that part was legitimately scary to yes. me. Like, I was like, wow, that was intense. Agreed. <laughs> that I'm was better so... than those scream things yeah. that they find on the recording. Much better oh, than that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm so, so glad we're all on the same page about that mm-hmm. because— Ryan has such an excellent point, y'all. This movie is only 96 minutes long, but it is, I mean, it jumps around so much because it's expecting you to keep up with the real versus the reenactment. And in that specific scene, which I think is the, like you said, definitely the most well done of the whole, most intense of the whole movie for sure. Mm -hmm. They do a quad split. So there's, you know, real doctor, fake doctor, real scene, fake scene of the guy holding the gun to his wife and children's heads. And I did find it interesting that they blur it in the real footage. That Mm -hmm. was a very interesting artistic choice for me because if we're supposed to be under this assumption that it's, you know, the real police cam footage, why would they blur it if it wasn't already being shown on TV? I don't know. I just found that very interesting. It, it was, Jamie, it's funny too because it almost had like a signs effect on me where it was like that scene yes. signs where you see the alien walk by is like the most scary scene still from that film. I remember like visibly like drunk, jumping in the theater, but it has this aura of like, oh, this actually could be real. And like, so yes. like that, that thing about it is the scariest to me and just seeing that kind of like reality play out. And again, like, we're, you know, this is now 14 years later. And I mean, you know, shootings have become even more <laughs> commonplace at this point. So this is like, we're not even, we're not even pretending that this is not something that happens on a, a, a daily occurrence in the United States at this point. But for that film to do it that way, I thought that was really, yeah, it was, it was shocking. And it was kind of like, we've been watching it. I was like, wow, that was actually an, like a well done a, a scary scene. And yeah, it was interesting that they just show you the real footage, but it's more impactful, mm-hmm. I think, that way. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And again, this film jumps so much between current to past to the those current versions of Dr. Abby where she's gone to looks very scary in my opinion. Like you said, the pies the eyes bulging is Oh, I can't handle. It's, it's the eyes and and like the 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 like. Uh, I this is the only term I can think of like that. It's almost like a cancer voice. 
Mm-hmm. It's the mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, like, it's like the, the really like gravelly, throat cancer kind of yeah. It's voice. a really gravelly, tired sounding voice. Yeah, so, but I mean, you look at her like you said, you automatically know she's been through it. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that's why this movie works for me, and also just like. It's so realistic that I never doubted the first time I saw this. I never doubted that any of it was real at all. Mm. I mean, (laughs) first of all, it was so realistic to just have her go right back to work the morning after losing a Mm. patient to a vicious murder-suicide. Like, that's that's exactly how every healthcare professional I know reacted or reacts still. I mean, especially Mm -hmm. working these surged numbers... And again, I think that's why this film works for me, but Mm. also it has the layer of aliens and then it also has this layer of the hypnotherapy. And that's where it gets really interesting in terms of the loss of control. Because Mm -hmm. for me, they are very synonymous being having an alien abduct you or a spirit take over your body and possess you is so similar to our fears of being hypnotized and not being fully in control of our bodies. And hypnotherapy now has kind of been debunked a little bit, but I know so many people who swear by it or they want to try it. And maybe that's the through line of this entire, I think all of our feelings that we're trying to coalesce on on a loss of control. And Mm -hmm. why does this movie use exorcism motifs if it's aliens taking them up because we never see the aliens like ryan said we never see the aliens actually abduct people mm-hmm. we only see people's bodies hover very creepily right off the <laughs> yes. chair or the bed yes. that they're on classic then, exorcism trail there. right <laughs> exactly and, and then it breaks their necks like excuse me yeah and and this is where I finally get to quote Barbie on this podcast. I was waiting for that point to come up. <laughs> um, for anyone that's seen Barbie you're, or hasn't seen Barbie, you're going to get a spoiler. But like, in, you know, in the scene where, sorry, Ryan, I don't know if you've seen Barbie. Oh, I have. Oh, yeah. I okay. Love it. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I just saw it for a fourth time this weekend, <laughs> um, which is why it's so fresh in my mind. Uh, I also may have sung along to I'm Just Ken. But anyway, <laughs> you know the scene like the second time Barbie and Ken get arrested? And, like, the cops are like, oh, my God, she looks even better with clothes on. Oh, yeah, it's because I can imagine what's underneath. Mm -hmm. You know what? Just keep it. That principle is what makes this movie work so fucking well, is that you never see anything and you hear things. But even then, it's, like, untranslated or indecipherable or whatever the, the subtitles say, right? Or the fact that the Sumerian just comes across as, like... Like, eh, eh, eh. like, you yeah, know, stuff like creepy. that. Like, it, it's it's that principle of, like, what is unseen is just so much more powerful. Like, the power of imagination, mm-hmm. boom. Well, and, that, and, and Bob, and it's so funny because the, 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 the film really works best when it's not trying, it's not overly explaining anything and it's kind of letting the weirdness and the creepiness play out. It's when we get into the real like kind of convultedness of these two plots kind of merging is when the film kind of just doesn't work for me. And it's funny because it's like, mm-hmm. I love the elements where we've seen the 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 potential abduction and the, the hovering over the bed, the screaming, these weird, this the, these weird facial contortions. Like, I like all that stuff. I thought that stuff was cool. Again, the, the, a couple of the moments where they're juxtaposing between the real 
and the and the fake hypno scenes. Like I, I actually really like all that. It's when the movie really gets bogged down in its own kind of like almost like uh, we have to prove that this is important. Like that's when the movie doesn't work for me. And like it kind of, it slows itself down. Like Jamie, like you said, this movie's not even a hundred minutes. Um, and so like, and, and at times it kind of feels that way, especially during the middle until we really get into the, like the meat and potatoes of the, like the abduction scenes and stuff. There's sometimes where I'm just like, man, this is, they're really, every scene is super important. There, There's no levity whatsoever. <laughs> At all. Every scene is just packed to the gills with all this symbolism or these fight scenes. And I just, the fight scenes especially are so intense that when they cut to, again, these very kind of hokey reenactment moments, it's whiplash. And I think the biggest whiplash of the entire movie for me is when they do start talking about, oh, this is ancient Sumerian and da 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 And they do that weird, like, Mysteries at the Museum cutaway. Like, <laughs> it's the beginning of Mysteries at the Museum, but it's all Sumerian tablets and little glass cases. And I, I truly wonder sometimes, like, okay, where did they think, like, how, why did they have to let it go on for... It's almost a two and a half minute scene, by the way, of them like just doing like a zoom pan through Sumerian artifacts. And, and then like showcase, like, oh, these are all aliens. You know, don't you see these faces? They're all aliens. And you're like, uh, I mean, okay. <laughs> right. It's very much the showing and telling of it all, all at once, which is something that Bhavna and I talk about all the time that we wish movies would not do. Like, please, please, we don't need to see. No. Like, you can just say, mm -hmm. oh, this character, whatever. Or, oh, you can show the character playing basketball. You don't have to have another character be like, I didn't know he played basketball. Yeah, his stats yeah. are da, da 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 And he, like, lists all the stats <laughs> out. Because like, it's the marvelfication mm -hmm. of things where, like, the first 10 minutes of the movie, you're getting this extremely overwrought explaining Exposition. section. Of, yep. Yes, and I hate yep. it. I hate it. It makes me want to, like, bang my head into a wall. Yep, and to quote my allegedly, alleged uh, draft dodging favorite English teacher, creative writing teacher from grade 12, <laughs> Mr. Reed. Um, Shout Mr. out, David Mr. Reed. Reed. <laughs> um, looked like Rob Lowe, sounded like Alan Alda. Best combination. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. To quote him, show don't tell because why, because explaining the joke doesn't make it funny. No. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think this whole film kind of gets too deep into trying to have too many themes and have this big overarching, like, heavy meaning when it could just be scary. Um, because this was my favorite comment, and I wrote this in the middle of watching this film in my notes app, and I know I look crazy. Uh, I was re-watching this with Sheree of um, Nightmare on, on Fear Street and uh, Jazz from Girl That's Scary, and I was like, oh my God, this is an intergalactic custody battle <laughs> because she takes, so Dr. Abby's child gets taken. And, and I found it very interesting too, the little girl was suffering from psychosomatic blindness. So she's not actually blind, we don't think. But apparently this alien encounter has turned her blind. And I know that that can happen in real life, but it's so rare. It's, it was almost a little too heavy-handed on the metaphor. Do y'all know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
it was, it was like, oh, I just can't accept what happened to my daddy. Like (laughs) it felt very heavy handed. And so the fact that she gets taken and we're just supposed to accept that that's not the end of the movie, but it gets really close to the end of the movie. I don't know. I had a lot of mixed, uh, mixed feelings because you're again, Mila is just such an incredible act. They both are. Both are real and the fake. Dr. Abbey's are incredible actors. And the the pain in their voices, especially when we cut to the real air quotes footage of her, when she's like, I, I know what I saw and I know what happened and I just want my daughter back. I know they have my little girl. I think that it's really, uh, that's a level of, it's almost perverse for me personally that's what made me the most uncomfortable in the whole film is seeing what's supposed to be these real traumas, like very much real feelings. And I think that that goes back to the beginning of us talking about, you know, like with Dahmer, is it okay to take real people's stories and use them because it just felt wrong. It felt an extra layer of voyeuristic and ick. But I think that's the point. I agree. And I feel like much like with literary work, you know, like how there's that public domain thing, like we should do that with people's life stories as well. You know, like give me a biopic on something that happened 100 plus years ago. Don't give me something that happened a year ago. Yeah, we didn't need two Steve Jobs biopics. (laughs) (laughs) Especially since one of them was not good. (laughs) Right. No thanks. Uh, I was going to say too. I want. I do want to give a shout out to uh, to Will uh, Will Patton. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, by the way, OG Will Patton in terms of he's been in so many alien stuff. He was in. Yeah. The, he's been in the Mothman prophecies, which I low key love. Um, he, it's yeah, trash, I, but I, I love I, it. I, yeah, I actually love it. If people are like, no, it's a movie so stupid. I was like, I I love it. I think it's great. Yes. Um, I, he was in the, obviously the fourth kind. This film. He was in. He was in Dark Skies as well. He's played like a, a cop in every goddamn show movie ever um but i actually really enjoyed his performance too in this and i thought he was i thought he was surprisingly really solid and 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 grounded the film in that way that he always does but i i kind of agree with you jamie i mean like to me i'm like i you know when the movie ends i'm left very much feeling like well what was the underlying point of the film like what 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 was the movie really trying to say because it's like are we gaslighting the doctor and being like, oh, she's actually crazy, don't believe any of this? Are we trying to say like, oh no, there's clearly some weird stuff happening here? Are we trying to say, oh, that, you know, uh, this, you know, kind of, there's more people maybe that are experiencing these things and they just need to go under hypnosis? Like, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. And again, I agree with you. Like, when the movie is just scary, it works because there's so many weird little images and things that we get. And then when the movie delves into these like kind of deeper themes, you're like, eh, I don't really, I don't know if I need them. Yeah, like the the whole subplot with the cop and the murder, that took me, anytime the cop showed, the sheriff showed up, it took me right the fuck out. Like, can we talk about that like scene where like right after the murder suicide and he's like, why didn't you tell me he left your office and like right. he was going to be a danger? And she's like, he was he wasn't deranged. He was completely of sound mind. I had no reason to worry, blah, 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 you know? And then, um, though I did remember in the theater and I do, and I have the same reaction now when she like snap back, snaps back at him. It's like, what about all the other people that are going missing under your mm-hmm. watch, huh? Mm-hmm. Sir? Right. Mm-hmm. But, but honestly, his just aggression and stuff, like, especially watching it through a 2023 lens, 
of a, a very ACAB lens. I'm just like, right. what in the Chief Wiggum are you doing here, sir? <laughs> Not Chief Wiggum, <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know me. If I can't squeeze a Simpsons reference in. <laughs> I know. I love it. I love it. It's, I mean, th- again, there's that subplot with him where she's like, do you think I murdered my husband? And the big reveal of that is his autopsy x-ray shows a bullet wound to the head and we're supposed to be like, oh, he must have seen what the other guy saw that made him commit suicide, you know? Um, and it's all these little half-baked moments that I think wind up being the downfall is that, like we've been saying, there's kind of four subplots all happening at once and it's only a 96-minute movie. But if it would just have been about why are the aliens coming to this specific town, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, the the owl motif, or why are they Sumerian? Do you know, like, instead it was this mishmash of we're going to make the aliens Sumerian ancient gods that have actually been here forever. Cool, that is enough to scare me. We're also going to make it a meditation, pun intended, on hypnotherapy. Okay. Uh, we're also going to talk about how you know, single mothers are treated once they lose a spouse or whatever. Like, just so many things happening at once. And I don't think it was the director's... It was his um, feature debut, but he's done TV since then and Mm -hmm. and after. uh, A lot of TV. He's done, like, Mm -hmm. he's he's done, like, just sci-fi after this, pretty much. Like, uh, like tons of sci-fi, Star Trek, and, yeah, tons of stuff, so... And it feels a little like this was his screen test for, look at all those subgenres of sci-fi that I can do. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> the hilarity of the hypnotherapy, though, just to touch back on that for a second yeah. since it was brought up again, is that I saw a documentary where there was a past life regression done. Oh, absolutely um, not. Saw doc- Listen, I went me. with a friend of the pod and managing editor of Dread Central, Josh. What up, Josh? Yeah, Josh. <laughs> um, we went to go see a, a documentary called Coven about three yes. different kinds of witches and whatever. And the one that clearly I found the most annoying, if you couldn't tell, goes through a, a past life regression, but she goes through it after finding out her lineage. So, oh. it's Right. No, you can't, that's you can't do that. That just that's just like, do you do science like that? That just that's a control set. That is not a control set. So <laughs> I found the hypnotherapy in this movie a thousand times more convincing. Like if I had seen this footage, like take divorce it from the rest of the movie. Right. If it right. was just like YouTube, like watch this, like, you know, therapy session, go wild or whatever the fuck you <laughs> clickbait it as. gone wild. Yeah. <laughs> Aliens Gone Wild, <laughs> How to Cook for 40 Humans. Um, oh, my God. Everybody keep counting my Simpsons references. <laughs> so, um, you know, if I saw that, much more believable, especially, and to bring back the whole thing of, like, cutting from the real footage to the fake footage, like, uh, the guy on the couch. Like, I oh, found the me. first, like, I found the real footage to be way more compelling like if they had just made an alien movie without the the real footage versus the absolutely like a reenactment like they added just enough cheese to the reenactment to make the real footage look really good and now question for you guys on this road if they had just made this movie with the quote-unquote real footage just as an alien movie just like this entire plot like not having to do it reenactment not doing it on self mystery style or anything right but just straight up alien movie 
Would it be scary? What do you find it compelling? Would you watch it? Yeah, that's that's a really interesting question because I, watching it, I'm going, that scene where he is, re, like, they're, they're reenacting him effectively getting abducted and getting worked on, I thought was really good. In oh, the, the, God, the, yeah. The mm-hmm. real footage was really good, you know, quote, unquote. Like, that when they were showing it through that camera angle. And it's funny because, like, we're in a period of time now where, like, analog horror is kind of coming back now. There's all these YouTube oh, yeah. channels that specialize in, like, this weird analog horror. Obviously, I didn't personally care for Skinnamarink, but a lot of people did. Um, and so there's that, obviously, there's that type of, like, grainy, weird kind of, mm-hmm. like, found footagey thing that still, I think— works for a lot of people and then like a lot of people gravitate towards it till so there's there's a part of me that says yes it might have been a more compelling film if it was just played in a style of no like of, of just like kind of going through archival footage of this thing and kind of blending it together i think the problem with that is though is that one of the main reasons the movie is is even watchable is because of Mila, so that so you exactly. would lose that aspect. So and, and there's no way they would have gotten the financing they got without her. So I I just it, it's a hard line to cross there because I do think that they were trying to blend these styles as best they could. I just think that at times it just it's it's a clunky execution. But I would agree with you for the most part. I would say like 80 percent of the real footage in quotes is more compelling than kind of the reenactment. I agree. What about you, Jamie? No, absolutely. Are you kidding me? I I love found footage. Aliens scare the shit out of me. Sign me up. I would have been even more scared than I already was because, again, this is the only horror movie that has ever given me nightmares. <laughs> um, and I think, too, we never pick up the thread of the owls and, like, what they're supposed yeah. to symbolize other than the fact that their faces can look like an, a typical gray alien face if you squint. I don't know. But... Yeah. <laughs> True, like, this was two movies sandwiched into one, and it, it, the nostalgia factor for me is very high, so I, I only revisit it every now and then, because again, it actually scares me, (laughs) Um, but I can appreciate what they were trying to do, because Mm -hmm. up until this time, there was no The Pope's Exorcist, there was no Side by Side, because it, there's a couple different exorcism films that do that kind of split screen, same vibe. Um, and I think you pointed out something very important, Ryan, that this analog horror does a lot of the heavy lifting because it's automatically, it, you're associating it automatically with a very specific feeling. When you see the grainy footage, um, I say all the time that nothing will ever compare to movies made from 1995 till 1999 because in terms of looks, for me, for nostalgia, because it does have that grainy, it's filmed on film, you can tell, yeah, versus right. a digital camera, mm-hmm. which I love. Mm-hmm. And now there's, I saw a girl, this is related, I swear, I saw a girl at the Beyonce concert with like a wind-up disposable camera and I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, A, you're a genius, but B, like, that's what's in, that it's kind of, like you're saying, it's absolutely in style right now. We've had this oversaturated, overhyped influencer, very staged era, and now we get this really grounded, realistic, people are craving that. We've also gone past that because at the Arctic Monkeys concert on Wednesday and the one on Saturday that I went to, people were bringing back these skinny, like, oh, yeah, the handheld, no, digital yeah. cameras. yeah. 
the really mm-hmm. skinny ones that like mm-hmm. came out after the clunky ones. Yeah. The quote unquote, not the Olympus, but like the other, the Sonys or whatever. Oh yeah. The hell. The ones that are like the color of my nails. And I'm going like, those aren't phones. Those are, I know what that is, but how do the youth know what that is? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's, it's so funny you both say that because you're totally right. Like, I think the era we're like, because we're, we're all in our 30s at this point. So now yeah. what has become our childhoods is now starting to become nostalgic, right? So it's like there's this idea that we are now the main consumers, right? We're, we're in this period of our lives where like, you know, movie goer or like, you know, um, at studios and advertisers, they're aiming at us, our age right. effectively between like, you know, 23 and like 40. This is who they're aiming at. And we're now looking at, oh, we're, w- what can we do? What nostalgia can we bring back that is going to get people into this? And so there's this idea that this analog core, this idea of like bringing this back, I think is it's it's inevitable at this point. And I think more and more mid to late 90s to early 2000s stuff is going to get referenced more and more as we go on where there's that, that period where we weren't – the internet was around – but it wasn't quite taking over. And I thought, like, I saw BlackBerry this year, and I thought it did a masterful job of really conveying that feeling of, like, when (laughs) when you saw people with these Blackberries. And, like, and again, I think this film, again, hints, it very much hints at this period of time where we didn't have the internet just at the touch of our fingers we were we were crawling into it it was it was it was right there where we were going to start to be obsessed with it all the time but it wasn't quite there yet and i think again like this is all this stuff i think is just making a slow slow comeback at this point i am just so pleased that you brought up blackberry and nostalgia because that is specific nostalgia for me because i well, I only went to university for two years, but I went to university at Laurier, which is in Waterloo in 2006, 2007, 2008. So, like, <laughs> at the height of... Yeah. yeah, yeah, see, at the height. So, like, Jim Ball silly, like, it wasn't it wasn't weird for us to, like, run into him. And he, yes, he is just as psycho as he was in that movie. <laughs> and I did forget that he tried... I forgot, like, I knew he bought Cops Coliseum in Hamilton, but I forgot he tried to buy the Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, right. in there. Sorry. But yes, no, that, it's coming back. And even, like, I, just to, like, to bring back the analog stuff, too, it's also being added with a layer of cheese. So, mm-hmm. like, for us to be nostalgic for it, it's great. But then we watch it, and we're like, but this isn't really how it was. No. You know? Mm-hmm. Like we'll watch it. We'll uh, inevitably there. There's gonna be like whatever Stranger Things is, but the '90s for us. Oh God! You know, I will, like we're no, gonna have uh, like a '90s no. whatever. Uh, I skipped that '90s show because I was like, absolutely not. They can just um, honestly though. It's funny because I still root. I, I'm a, I'm a sucker for anthologies. I just love every single one. Okay. And 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 I just I, I will just I, I I continually watch Are You Afraid of the Dark still every night. Yes, I, I both have the absolutely. DVDs and on Paramount. But like yes. all, all of that stuff, I just miss because there was a certain earnestness. To, mm-hmm. the, to the late 90s into 2000 stuff that I feel like is is just a bit missing. Now, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of stinkers out there from that era. But but that, but that like, Jamie, like you hinted at, like, there is this, the, the, the found footage analog stuff that I felt like mm-hmm. was in that time was just a different type of feel than what we have now, which it feels just more polished. And so that mm-hmm. one, it just felt grittier. And again, the, the way that these scenes are filmed in the fourth kind, there is an essence of that grittiness. And I just, like I said, I, I would re- be really curious to see this movie as just a straight 
hey, we've dug up archival footage. This is just what it is. Maybe there's a voiceover running through it, and there's just kind of footage like underneath. It would I, it would be an interesting experiment to see this one without any of the reenactment scenes at all. Yes, agreed. And to add to your point of the Polish stuff and aliens and found footagey things, Cloverfield came out around the same time as this. Mm, like I think, like yes. just before yeah. this. So. Yeah. That is extremely polished compared to this, which is, again, what I think makes this film scarier and a lot more compelling. Whereas Cloverfield had your rush of adrenaline of like, you know, super cutting in and out of like the digital cameras that we all grew up with. But like, just, ah, just so well done. Sorry, I can't stop raving about the archival footage in this. But (laughs) the only note I will give is that it's supposed to be 2000, like October 2000. And Mm -hmm, like there, mm -hmm. and Mila's supposed to be in 2009 or whatever. Like, I didn't see the difference. Like, that's the only thing that was like, okay, I didn't really see the difference. To me, it could have been like, this happened a week ago. Yeah. 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 Which didn't give it the urgency or the distance that I guess they wanted to put in there. Yeah, absolutely. They missed they missed the distance because then when they say there's still these people missing at the end, you don't really it's not in your face that it was 9 years ago. And for those people no. to still be missing and for her to say in the footage, I just want my daughter back as if she's been alive for these 9 years, like yeah. to me it's that's the extra layer of heartbreak. And Ryan, your comment really I think when you said there was an earnestness to it, it just clicked for me that, you know, they do these kind of soapy, like the, the soapy scenes where the footage is supposed to be 2009 versus 2000 mm-hmm. is the one that's the fake Mila, or the, excuse me, the fake Abby played by Mila. It's definitely a little CW-ish for the time. Like it feels, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it absolutely mimics that. And it also makes me wonder, like, was that on purpose? So it can contrast with the earnestness of quote unquote real life. So I don't know. I think this is a really hard movie to watch if you are expecting some like big meditation on life, especially after hearing that the aliens were Sumerian apparently, <laughs> question mark. But that's the, I mean, Again, they even use that part to kind of bash us over the head with this fourth theme that we've decided to be on in this film of, you know, they say daughter, not return, uh, our creation, God. So they're calling themselves God. God. So then we get this next layer of alien lore in, which is, you know, that aliens have been visiting us for thousands of years and every single religion has been trying to tell us that and they are the quote-unquote God that people believe in or whatever. So, I again, I think there's two separate movies in here, but the theme that sticks out to me, I mean, in terms of any sort of coherence in this film, (laughs) is this idea of loss of control. And I think that's what aliens represent because aliens are not only spotted in America, obviously, but they are a heavy theme in North American culture. They just, it's not the same in other countries. And they started really popping up, you know, not too long after we tested the atom bomb. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. to have that loss of control be your big association with the larger picture of life, your subconscious is, you know, dwelling on this. Well, what's the next scariest thing that can happen? Oh, 
little men from somewhere else come down in a flying saucer, a big metal thing, and abduct. I mean, all I can think of when I watch this movie is the Betty and Barney Hill tapes, and they oh, yeah. stuck to their they stuck to their story till the day they died that they mm-hmm. were both abducted, and it's again, it's a fear of the other. I mean, we call we call people who want to come to different countries to migrate their aliens. So it's the fear of the other, fear of loss of control, and then this idea that we are gaslighting specifically mothers about <sighs> disappearing children and also just their life in general, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So to me, this movie, like I said, had those kind of four different themes and layers to it. But I feel the sh- most strong about the connection of the religious undertones and the alien visuals. Because like we said, they spend two and a half minutes cutting through these ancient Sumerian tablets on museum stands and pointing out that it's supposed to look like an alien. I, I was going to say real quick too, it's funny yeah, that yeah. we... I was going to say it's funny that we always associate aliens with men because of like little green men but but they're always but they're almost always like androgynous or like they're almost always they have no genitalia whatsoever um and it's so it's like it's very interesting that we always associate that and it's and it's yeah it's it's even here too it's like obviously the voice is deep and it's like Mm -hmm. masculine and it's kind of like aggressiveness Mm -hmm. but it's like a I mean, God could be anything, right? Like it's a formless being to some extent. So yeah, it's it's it's, it's an interesting how we've always and and I think in the way, like popular culture, right, is that there's either one or two things. Aliens are extremely benevolent and they're actually really nice, you know, like Cocoon or <laughs> ET or these other films, or it's Alien or Dark Skies or V, and right. like, they want to control us. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's an interesting juxtaposition. Two things. One, I wish I could show you my Funko, but I do have the I bring you love, Mr. Burns Funko. <laughs> that goes oh, in the dark. Because <laughs> when you said a benevolent aliens, that's all I could think of. But, and two, uh, you know, and also I for one welcome our alien overlords. But two, <laughs> yes. Um, to touch upon what I also said in the beginning too, it's just that like, I grew up in Hinduism, right? Like our gods aren't like a lot of other like, um, ancient gods and stuff like yeah they're fantastical but two arms two legs or they can turn into animals like i'm thinking norse here or like you know other like viking gods things like that blah 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 Mm -hmm. blah. but if you've seen Mm -hmm. any hindu gods first of all most of them are women second of all multi-arms multi-forms they're blue like you know they appear out of nowhere all this kind of stuff so, like, you know, they appear to people in visions, like, they appear as other things, blah, 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 blah. They're not so limited compared to other ancient religions I know. Um, so it's almost like, like I said, it's extremely arrogant to think that, like, you know, this wasn't a thing. And it's also like, hmm, where did these people come up with, like, where did these ancient people come up with this stuff? Like, where right. did it come from? Like, the imagination is great, but, like... You know, did they go like, hmm, when I go into battle, it'd be great if I could hold eight weapons instead of two. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Oh my like, God. like, we have a we have a mother in my own home. Like, so I can like, I look at that imagery all the time. So for the, it's a very like, that's what kind of took me out alien wise in this movie is that it was just a very North American mishmash kitchen sink kind of a concept. And that's what kept me originally from believing that this was 
um, true was mm-hmm. just given um, the fact that I'm like, first of all, Sumerian, like, g- like Sumerian creatures in Alaska, like right, one, right. like <laughs> even with Pangea that does that, the math ain't mathin. Right. Um, why Alaska? Do they just like the cold? But then again, Sumerian. So you're thinking desert. You're thinking like. Well, I was going to say, Bob, the the Alaska thing to me is always like, it's always Alaska because it's so isolated and there's like no one there. And so they're like, they're, they're preying on this. I think this idea of like, oh, well, I mean, if you're alone in the, in the, in the wild, then like, that's when aliens are going to come to you because they, they, they know that no one else can be there. And I'm like, um, I mean, I guess like, there's like, there's not that many people though living in those areas to begin with. So I don't, yeah, it's an interesting, like, I don't know. It's, it's. You, we we see so many accounts. I feel like at this point where people are like, "Oh, I I, re- I reported it with with twenty other people seeing it in like you know a, a big city, like an un, you know an unidentified flying object." But you know we have like classic North American alien stories of like, "Oh, the, the Roswell story." Oh yeah, it's this this little town outside of, and I'm like, "Well, maybe they just made it up because it was a little town and they needed a tourist trap." Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah. Exactly. I feel like aliens, like real aliens, would be the most like American Dad and Roger. You know, like he's just going to show up in like a big city and just blend in. You know, like I feel like if aliens are really going to infiltrate us, it was going to be like that or it's going to be like secret invasion with the scrolls and everything. Like, I feel like it would be that, not Alaska and picking on this poor woman and her family. (laughs) She's And she has had it. She is. That alien took everybody away from her. The son no longer talks to her. The daughter's gone and the dad's gone. They're like, you, well, you've like, dealt with trauma. We will make sure that you pay. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's that's the other thing that really stuck out to me at the end is that she just keeps talking about her daughter and like literally everyone I've ever watched this with has been like, so what happened to the son? Like, do they just not talk? Because he would have been an adult. At the yeah. end, they say Ronnie is now 21 years old and completely estranged from his mother. Yeah, that's insane. Like, oh, I mean, he probably thinks she's insane, but I just, my heart breaks for her in this film. And I think that's why, again, I was a very, so hyper empathetic teen that I just, I think that's why this movie has stuck with me for so long. So I do appreciate y'all going on this Mm -hmm. journey with me with this film. Um, Bob, do you have any, any final thoughts before I pass the mic to Ryan? Sure. One, that Ronnie kid was giving me Major Jack from Hook vibes of shitty little yes. child. <laughs> yes. Like, Absolutely. Uh, the way Brian, he backtalked you don't her. know. He, Hook is my favorite movie. So I love Hook. It's great. Yes. The way but, he backtalked Abby, Dr. Abby, I was like, fix your mouth, boy. I, yeah, woo, I got I, mad. Listen, I am too Indian to watch these disrespectful white kids just talking to their parents like that. I had to wait till I was in my 30s to talk to my mom like that, okay? <laughs> like, come on. Um, final thoughts. Um, well, I love Mila. I love Mila forever. Uh, I feel like this movie isn't as terrifying to me as it was when I saw it. Like, I do have the years of distance, unlike this movie, between the alleged source material and where they were at. Um, Honestly, like, this this still slaps. It slaps. Um, I feel like this is a movie probably best consumed, not sober, if you've already seen it. Mm. If you haven't seen it. Agreed. Right? Well, you know, pick your... your, uh, you know, poison your choice. Yeah, your edible, edible, your your, your, your alcohol, alcohol, whatever. Yeah. Preferably edible. You know, you got to get that We're paranoia fans. in there. Um, 
And honestly, give me a supercut of the uh, just the quote unquote archival footage, but play aliens exist over it. Oh, <laughs> woof. Give me that. <sighs> uh, no, but seriously, though, I this this is one of my favorite alien movies because it was the only one that got me scared. And it also like um, brought in the whole found footage thing that I love because we are a found footage stand pod. Absolutely. Uh, grave encounters forever. But um, <laughs> honestly, I would give this movie. I'd oh, say. Oh, I forgot to give you my rating. Huh? Oh, Sorry, I said I forgot rating. to give you a oh. rating, but continue, continue. That's okay. I would give this movie three and a half grays out of five. I was going to say four out of five UAPs. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> there you go. I, Ryan knows. I very much believe in aliens. I keep up with all the congressional hearings. I live posted it on Blue Sky last time because I was like, Welcome, everybody. Here's my alien <laughs> obsession. <laughs> um, but yeah, four out of five uh, UAPs, I think it would have been better as the super cut, but I still love it because of Mila. Shocker, we have a lot of the same feelings, Bob. Um, I mostly picked this because it's very visceral, and I'm glad that Ryan specifically said that adjective earlier in the episode because... It is so realistic that, again, 17, 18-year-old me was scared, scared. Um, and again, I think there's a very deep connection to sort of never feeling like my body is my own and being in a very evangelical household and uh, version of, of religion um, and just being a woman in America, a teenage girl in America especially, but maybe that's why I bonded. I, maybe I like trauma bonded with this movie, you guys. Like it screwed me up so much. I'm Stockholm syndroming myself about it. Um, yeah, it definitely has got a heavy nostalgia factor for me though. So I just appreciate y'all being on this, again, being on this ride uh, with me. Ryan, can you take us home with some final thoughts? Of course, yeah. I, You know, my final thoughts on this movie, but on aliens in general, it's interesting how much of the culture and you know i'll bring up the x-files since it's one of the seminal alien shows of all time but the, the culture of like the government cover-up and the government being untrustworthy has permeated into our world now from alien mythology because the idea is that we cannot trust the government because they're not being real with us about these alien conspiracies and even in the fourth kind you have the situation where like nobody believes this person the cops don't believe her these other psychologists until they see the thing don't believe her no but she's crazy. And I think that in today's society, you've just seen people take hold of this belief so much more fervently with like QAnon conspiracies and all this stuff where they've gone, hey, look at what they're hiding with aliens. They're not even, they're not even pretending anymore. And I think that the, the lasting thing we're going to see from a lot of this alien culture is just this idea that you know, whether or not aliens are real, we're not being told the full story. Um, and I think that's an interesting um, uh, angle of which aliens mythology in the last 20 years has kind of permeated into our into our world, and especially like the, the, U, the United States. And I would I would give this thing a um, 2.75 um, little green men out of five. So, yeah. <laughs> What? <laughs> One more thing, though. Wild conspiracy theory with this movie. Cop wasn't on it. Cop's the alien. 
think about it. He's trying to shut down the investigation. He shut that investigation down quick, fast with the dad. He's gaslighting at Dr. Abby at every fucking point, you know, going like, stop this hypnotherapy that you and your husband did. Why aren't you telling us that this guy was going to go kill his, like, whatever, whatever, his his family? Why is he, you know, like, as if she just wouldn't know he's a family annihilator. That's the whole point. That's right. how family annihilators get away with it. They mask. Um, like... Think about it. It would explain his aggro. It would explain why he was totally against her when her daughter went missing. Hmm? Mm, Coincidence? I think not. I think not. I think he was an alien. I think this is more, this movie is more like Phantoms than we'd like to think. (laughs) My mind is blown right now. I'm I'm literally just mouth agog. And I am sober for the record. Yeah. Listen, it's just, you guys should hear us when we're not. Um, For real. Well, I'm, again, just so happy that we've made it to two years. I'm ha- grateful yes. for another birthday. Yes. This, woo. Yes. Woo. This film means a lot to me in terms of when I'm describing my taste in horror to people. So, I again, we had, we had to cover it. I knew it wasn't going to be as amazing the ninth or tenth time I saw it. <laughs> but, you know. Listen, I made us cover The Covenant, okay? Like, well, please. Okay. The Covenant is a, a masterpiece. Let's walk that back. Listen, uh, it is it is one of my comfort movies, and you can pry that DVD out of my cold, dead hands. Cold, dead hands. We love it. <laughs> well, like we uh, said at the beginning of the episode, y'all, Ryan is a creator. Please go support his work, um, and we will have an episode of his podcast out together a day or two days before this comes out. Uh, but Ryan, most importantly, where can the people find you? Yeah, you can find me at Your Horror Show. Uh, I'm on all the social media e-platforms. Uh, and then you can listen to Your Horror Show on all the podcast platforms. Uh, Jamie and I's episode Till Death will be coming out on September 19th. So uh, yeah, it'll be coming out soon. So hopefully you guys will be able to uh, listen to that. It'll be a great spooky season introduction for you. And then we'll have more episodes coming out uh, throughout the end of the year. And then we'll have a Your Horror Show Halloween special on October. October 31st, so you can check that out too. Yes, I'm Yay. so hyped for your Halloween special. Yes. Uh, it's one of my favorite things. Ryan and I are just, I mean, as most people in the horror community are, just us and Halloween are thick as yes. thieves, y'all. Anyways, uh, Ryan, thank you so much for celebrating with us and for taking yes. time out of your incredibly packed schedule. Oh, yes. it was my, ab- my absolute pleasure. You two are wonderful. Congrats on two <gasps> years. And I'm sure everyone uh, just loves you guys as much as I do. So, yeah. Oh, thank you, Ryan. <laughs> well, you're always welcome back on the show. Yes. Uh, Bavna, where can the people find you? Uh, they can find me as the Lucky Charms on most things, except for Instagram, where you have the little underscore. I am still on the artist formerly known as Twitter, uh, because like we said before, I will go down with that ship. I would, I can't look away from that train wreck. Um, listen, I have to doom, doom scroll somewhere, and Blue Sky doesn't update fast enough for me to do that. So until Blue Sky can figure that out, you know. Um, yeah, follow me. Uh, this episode airs at the end of TIFF, so hopefully, uh, you will have kept along. Uh, check out, like, some of the minisodes I've put out. Uh, I've gone to a few. I haven't yet, because we're in the time machine, but I will have, by this, by the time this comes out, gone to a few fun, spooky things in several languages, so please check that out. I'm most excited for Boy Kills World for our boy, Bill Skarsgård. 
Um, but yes, uh, check that out. And hopefully we'll have some merch soon as we've been teasing for months. But listen, we're both Nero spicy. This is just how we do. You will get it. We made a promise. <laughs> Jamie, where can they find you? Aside from a spirit Halloween, you can't say that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, she's there every weekend at this point um, and some weekdays. Uh, you can find me at Jamie Kirsten Howard on Instagram and IMDB that desperately needs to be updated. And you can find me on all other platforms as at Glitter Burrito. I love to talk movies, so please at me with your recent viewings of what you liked, what you didn't like. And you can find us as at Bloody Broads Pod on all social media. If it exists, we're there, and that's the name of it. And obviously, uh, we have our Patreon up. Again, all sorts of fun things there every single month. Um, and other than that, you guys, if you have not enjoyed a single episode in the last two years... <laughs> Bavna, where can they tell us that? <laughs> they can tell us in a five-star review or even better, subscribe to our Patreon. We'll definitely and read it on air. If you subscribe to our Patreon just to be a hater, I will do a dramatic reading yes. of your comments. I guarantee it. <laughs> and if you stay on for more than a month and give us more than one comment, we will do a reenactment a la Mila Jovovich in full costume. <laughs> full costume. All right, y'all, enough with the nonsense on our end. We really appreciate you giving us two full years of listens. Uh, it's been absolutely amazing to meet so many of you. So thank you from the bottom of our little black hearts. And until next time, goodbye. Bye. Bye.